Hey friends, welcome to episode 95 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. That's right, we are five episodes away from 100 episodes. And I'm Dora Swift. Thank you for joining me today. And if Fierce Calling has blessed you, if you've listened to it and it's encouraged you in some way, I would love if you would email me a short, maybe one, one and a half minute encouraging word on how Fierce Calling has blessed you and send it to me in an MP3 format to my email at doris at doriswift.com because I'm trying to think of cool ways to celebrate the 100th episode and I think reading some of your reviews and possibly playing some if you send it to me in a recorded version that would be awesome and Fierce Calling is part of the Spark Network which can be heard on the Edify app so download that app for free at the Apple or Google Play stores today You know, friend, divorce is painful and there's no way around that. And the trauma has a ripple effect. And my guest today is Sarah Geringer. And we're talking all about adult children of divorce, healthy boundaries, and healing in Christ. And I know what Sarah has to say is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Sarah Geringer. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am so excited today to have my friend on the show, Sarah Geringer. She is a writer, speaker, a podcaster. She's also an artist, a book launch manager, a creative coach, and author of five books, and she's a mom too. So this is really going to be a great conversation. And when she is not reading over 100 books a year, and I want to hear how that is is actually happening because I love that so much, um, she is writing about finding peace in God's word at sarahgeringer.com. And I just want to welcome you to the show, Sarah. Thank you for being on. I'm so excited to be here, Doris. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And you have so much going on in your ministry life and in your writing and your heart for sharing hope and healing with others. And so I would love if you would share a little bit about your story, however the Lord leads and how you're taking action in your passion, compassion and conviction and where that intersects. Oh, this is a great topic. And I love to talk about um, hope and healing for people. Um, I could go in a lot of directions, but I guess I'll focus on the direction of um, my main podcast, which is for adult children of divorce. And I feel like God um, healed me in so many ways with his presence and with his word. Uh, I am a child of divorce two times over. My parents divorced when I was four. And then uh, my dad divorced and remarried again when I was 22 years old. Mm. And uh, I didn't realize how much the second divorce would impact me because I thought I had all this experience dealing with it from a very young age that it would just be second nature, kind of like once you learn how to ride a bike, you kind of always know how to do it. But it took me about 10 years to adjust. Mm. And I think that uh, there's a whole um, group of people in the US, it could be about 60 million of us, that's one out of every five people who are children of divorce, and we don't understand how all of the emotional 
relational problems that we are dealing with are often related to unprocessed trauma over our parents splitting up. And so I'm very passionate uh, talking about that subject because I've met so many fellow children of divorce who are struggling in their relationships with their emotions, even in their relationship with God, and they don't understand that connection. So that's what I've been trying to do with my podcast since I started it in uh, September of 2020, kind of to open people's eyes to these problems and how they are linked to the original trauma. On a more general sense, yes, I do write about finding peace in God's word, which is really the basis for everything that I do. I am passionate about biblical literacy and showing people that every problem that they have has a solution in scripture. Mm. So um, I'm actually going through a difficult season myself and I'm finding so much comfort uh, reading the Psalms and I'm reading them in the message version because I grew up on NIV mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm really familiar with NLT too, but reading it in the message version is speaking to me in a new and fresh way. So I am gaining a lot of comfort and encouragement and direction, even myself by going through the Psalms in a whole different version of the Bible. So everything I write is really prescriptive to myself, not just for my audience, but it's because I need to be reminded daily uh, that God has comfort and guidance and encouragement for me in his word. I just have to open it and meditate on it and make it part of my thinking. Thank you for explaining that and laying that all out. I love how you talked about that you have a passion for biblical literacy because that is so important. And for some of the listeners, and I think this term has been mentioned before and not meaning that someone is illiterate to the fact of God's words, but that they might have trusted someone else to tell them what is in the word and not have actually sought it for themselves and studied for themselves. And there's so many tools and resources there that can help uh, someone that might be intimidated by that to actually start their journey of learning the word of the Bible firsthand. And so I think that's so important. And what you also mentioned about unprocessed trauma that is really a powerful statement because as you were sharing those statistics, which I think we oftentimes focus so much on the statistics of the divorce rate in America, but we probably haven't heard that statistic you just shared about the trauma and ripple effect that it has for the children of divorce. And that could be any, any age, right, Sarah? Absolutely. It can happen. Uh, I know there's a trend now. It's called um, gray divorces where people are getting divorced in their 60s and they've been together 40 something years. Mm -hmm. So their kids are late 30s, early 40s, and they will experience trauma from it, even though they are adults with their own families. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter when it occurs. It 
causes trauma for the children who are involved. And few people want to talk about it. It's painful. And uh, in the American culture, we do everything possible to avoid pain. But what happens, going back to the unprocessed trauma, if we don't deal with that pain, we don't grieve, we don't acknowledge it, we don't get it out in the open so we can sort it out, it's, it's like having a toxic uh, chemical inside. It's going to start seeping out into other areas and you might not understand why am I having this problem with my spouse? Why am I having this problem with my child? Why am I having this problem with people at work? It's because you haven't dealt with the pain that you endured from that original trauma. And a lot of those um, common problems that we deal with as children of divorce are feeling abandoned, feeling rejected, feeling afraid, uh, feeling frustrated, um, maybe even feeling responsible, like a sense of false guilt. And all of that needs to be unpacked so we don't take it into our other relationships with people or our relationship with God. So it takes a lot of hard work, but all the time that I invested in it uh, myself, I spent five years in therapy that's thousands of dollars and many, many hours worth of time. Yeah. I only wish I had started it sooner uh, because I felt like I became a whole person after that. Before I processed that trauma, I was in bondage to all of it. And I wouldn't have recognized that at that time. But when I went through that um, process of receiving Christian counseling, I started realizing how much the divorces had impact all the choices that I had made and all of the behaviors that I was um, doing or not doing. Really, the divorce informed everything. And so I had to take the time to process that when I was in my 30s. And it started setting me on a different path that felt a lot healthier and stronger and um, more honest with God. Um, I could be more free to express myself really like the psalmists do. They just pour everything out before God. And I think that uh, that's one of the benefits of going through the healing process is that you enter a more authentic relationship with God because he's the only one who really can uh, heal your father wound, heal your mother wound, and uh, make you complete and whole in him. He's the only one that can do that. And so that's why I'm very passionate about talking about this with people so that they know that healing is possible if they're willing to do the hard work and have the courage to look inside themselves and learn what they need to do to get strong and healthy in the Lord again. So important. And thank you for sharing that. And the awareness is so key because we oftentimes will see, and I know you've probably experienced this because you're also a Stephen minister, um, which we might talk a little bit more about. And, and I do 
lay counseling and that too. And oftentimes we see that certain choices and behaviors that manifest in someone's life can stem from previous trauma, such as sexual abuse, maybe having had an abortion, different things like that, that can also be brought forth. And they may not even realize that these things are what is causing them to have these behaviors or have this depression or, you know, whatever else. And so I I really think it's so important that we're talking about how being a child of divorce is, is traumatic too. And that's something that I'm sure so many, even churches have overlooked that need and that ministry need for those who are going through those kind of things. And, and this may be an eye opener and maybe one of our listeners right now is saying, wait a minute. Oh, okay. This is making sense to me. This is, this is clicking with me. So Sarah, how do you usually approach um, ministering to someone or what are some of the resources that you have found helpful? Because of course you said Christian counseling was so important in You know, counseling is wonderful, but if it's not faith-based, there's like, there's the most important component that's missing from it. So if you could share a little bit about how you would go about in helping someone or speaking with someone about, you know, their, their trauma that they may have that is unprocessed. Well, something that I've talked about a lot on my podcast and many, many times in person is how much the book Boundaries changed my life. Mm. And the book is written by uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. It's sold millions of copies. Um, There are other spinoffs of that original book, but that is a really good place to start because I believe that many of us have boundary problems. We never learned how to set proper boundaries on ourselves or on the demands of other people. And that creates a lot of chaos for us in our lives. So when when your parents get divorced, that instantly creates boundary issues because the boundaries are redrawn and often not in ways that you really want them to be. Um, Families are split up relationships are broken. And so the, the boundaries get all messed up and you have to figure out really who you are and how you're going to relate to all these people involved in new ways. And it's just very difficult. It's very challenging, but what I liked the most about that book, I read it before I went into therapy for five years. Um, It was after uh, Christmas when we had set a boundary with our extended families and they all live close to us. And uh, we were the only ones who had grandchildren at the time. So everyone wanted a piece of us, but we were exhausted and run ragged by Christmas number three out of five. So we, with the help of our pastor, um, we came up with a solution to go north every other year, south, every other year. And so then it would be, everyone would see us every other year and everyone got very upset with us. It didn't matter which side of the family they were on. They were very, very upset. Mm -hmm. And I started realizing that 
the holidays are a powder keg for divorced families because that's when everything feels like it counts. So we get together for three hours and we can pretend that we're a Norman Rockwell family, mm-hmm. even though we know we're not, but it's just like a um, signpost that, yeah, we still are a family. And oftentimes for the children involved, the holidays are filled with tension and strife and all these feelings bubbling up inside that they don't feel free to share the righteous anger the indignation even the unhappy resignation about the way things are that they don't want it to be this way feelings of criticism and judgment about step family members who might be more like um, the people in the cinderella story not very nice people right Um, it's just really hard all the way around. And so after that Christmas, I was in Barnes and Noble. I came across this book. I had read uh, Henry Cloud's Changes That Heal when I was in high school. So I was kind of familiar with him. And I bought the book and I took it home and I read it straight through. I mean, I think I didn't cook dinner that night. It was, it was terrible, but I was experiencing a, a spiritual breakthrough by realizing that uh, the Bible was telling me it's okay to say no Mm -hmm. because they were just unpacking these Bible verses that I was well familiar with and I had memorized and heard sermons on, but I hadn't applied it to my own actual life yet. Mm -hmm. And knowing that Jesus said, let your, your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond that is from the devil. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, how many times has my yes meant something besides just yes? Or how many times has I not even said no when I should have said no? And Jesus himself is saying this. It was a prescription right from his lips. So I was just faced with the truth with a capital T of what am I going to believe and how am I going to live out that belief? So it, it completely changed the trajectory of my life to realize that it was okay to stand up for myself. And I think it's because my sense of self-worth had been so damaged and trampled on by those divorces and by other toxic relationships in my life that God was reaching down his hand to rescue me and pull me out of that pit through the boundaries book. And to say, I value you. I love you unconditionally. I want something better for you. And here is a pathway to mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. If you will just obey the principles in this book. So I went, I went to task on it and I, I really started applying all of those principles. Um, They start out in the book describing kind of in a general sense, and then they break it into different applications, boundaries on yourself, boundaries with family, boundaries at work. And I realized I was messed up in every single area, but the good news is 
it offered suggestions for me to start setting boundaries. And that's what I started doing. And something I'm always very passionate about talking about too is the importance of connecting to a community of faith when you're in a healing process. So a few years before I read the boundaries book, God had placed me in a small group of other mommies at my church. So I was in a safe place to be able to set boundaries with my family and other toxic people because I had that safe space with my small group at church and they were cheering me on. They were there to listen. They were there to let me cry on their shoulder. So if I hadn't had them, I probably wouldn't have had the strength, even though I was going to see my therapist, I wouldn't have had the strength because God wants to heal us in community, not just one-on-one. So it was the power of God's word. It was the power of meeting with my counselor. And then it was the power of, of connecting with a community of faith to help me get healthy and whole. And all of those parts and pieces had to work together uh, to really completely change my life, help me do a 180, honestly, after so much emotional abuse and trauma, really for my entire life. So it's just amazing what God can do in our lives when we surrender to him and we don't just go at it alone. We don't just sit there with our Bible, which is amazing and wonderful and absolutely necessary, but we've got to reach out to other people to help us. And that's a message that I'm very intentional about sharing because I know I couldn't have gotten here without the help of other people. And I think that's true of all of us. Yeah. Wow. That is a lot of stuff right there that you unpacked so well. And I know it is really ministering to someone's heart today because they can relate to everything that you said. And I love that book. I'm so glad that you brought it up because we often refer people to read that book and through counseling and and everything. And I think too, because I have a a DVD. (laughs) Yeah. Remember those? Anyway, I have a DVD. Yeah, so I have one um, for the boundaries book that you could do like in a group setting. And mm-hmm. it is so important. So I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes to that. So thank you for mentioning that. But there's some really powerful things that came out, a lot of things that you had said. And when you were talking about it being like a powder keg, you know, when the families, all of this at, at holiday time and everything, I mean, even in the best of circumstances, holidays can be super stressful. So having this whole dynamic of different families and also the part where a son or daughter might feel like they're being forced to choose or take a side or, you know, things like that can happen in that dynamic. And so I appreciate you sharing your story about that. And also when you were talking about boundaries, because I think just what you were saying, it's important for people to even realize that they're allowed to set boundaries, that it is biblical, right, Sarah? It is. Uh, Even God sets boundaries. Um, The whole, you just have to read two pages of the Old Testament to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, do this and I will bless you. Pick the other thing 
and you will be cursed. Mm. It's not that hard. It's, and, yeah. and he does it because he loves us and he wants to protect us from a life that's going to hurt us. It's, mm. it's always his heart of love saying those things. I think many people misunderstand that about God. They think that rules are against them. They think that God wants them to live a boring life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly the opposite. I think the more I have grown in obedience, the more adventures that he's taken me on. Uh, because one of the Psalms says that friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him, mm -hmm. um, who, who have a heart of obedience and like a holy awe for God. He doesn't open himself up to people who are just going through the motions of faith. That's, that's a boring kind of faith. But when you go all in and you're saying, God, take all my pain, take all my suffering, take my whole heart, that's when the adventure of faith begins. And I just wouldn't want my life to be any other way, although I have paid a very, very high price in terms of losing family relationships, um, and facing persecution, mm -hmm. uh, and mocking for my faith. I just don't want any other way of living because this is the life that's worth living because it belongs to me now, but I know it's because I belong to God and he's holding me safely in his hands, but he's also empowering me to own the life that he wants me to live, that abundant life that Jesus talks about. He wants us to have abundant life, not a limited, boring life. And what I think is so great about the adventure that God calls us to live is it's others focused. Mm -hmm. So any of the spiritual mountains that I've climbed since my time in therapy have really all been focused on serving other people, whether that's in intercessory prayer or in small group ministry, or now as a Stephen minister at my church, that's where the delight is. And that's what Jesus did. He was the most others focused person who's ever lived. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious if you read the gospels that he took great delight in serving people. And I think that's another whole part of our healing process. If we can deal with our own trauma and get that out of the way, then we're in a place where we're able to serve others out of a full cup. So we're serving out of the abundance that God gives us. We're not going on our own willpower. Uh, we are serving out of the grace and mercy and love and joy and peace that God fills our hearts up with so that we can share it with other people. And that has been a great sense of joy and kind of a sense of recycling my pain for God's glory to shine instead. It's been very gratifying to get to that point in my journey. And I I try to inspire people through my writing and through my podcast that that can be theirs too, but they have to do that hard work first. Uh, they have to take some time to focus on themselves first to get healthy and whole so that they can start serving other people out of their love for God and 
their desire to show love to other people. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. They have to do that hard work first. Uh, They have to take some time to focus on themselves first to get healthy and whole so that they can start serving other people out of their love for God and their desire to show love to other people. Amen. Yeah, to be healthy, whole disciples who make healthy, whole disciples. And uh, so that's so important. And I love how you were talking about how, you know, it's so biblical and in pointing us in the Bible where there are boundaries. And, and even we see that with Jesus when he would pull away from the crowds, because if he hadn't done that, they would just have 24 seven, they would have wanted him to be talking and healing and, and everything. And so he did pull away to take that time with the father. And, you know, we are looking to Jesus as our example and to be more Christ-like. And, and that just so goes along with where, when you said God wants to heal us in community, so Mm -hmm. important and so precious that he provides those to come around us our brothers and sisters in Christ who can pray for us and support and encourage us. And that when we are in community, like you were saying, others focused. I love that term because that is bringing healing to us through our trials and tribulations and difficult seasons uh, when, when we are others focused and serving others. So thank you for sharing that. And I know you had shared in one of your episodes the one podcast you were talking about is hearts in a drawer, right? That's right. Yeah. And yeah, you had shared how going to Al-Anon was an interesting experience for you. Can you just briefly share if someone isn't aware of what that is and, and if they think, well, that's not for me, can you share a little bit about that? Sure. Al-Anon is a group for loved ones of addicts. So specifically alcohol, but could also be um, drugs. And so it's a support group for not the addicts themselves, that would be Alcoholics Anonymous. uh, But Al-Anon is for the loved ones, because an addiction really involves all family members, not just the addict. So I had been sharing um, some of my stories with some friends. at a retreat that I attended a few years ago, and they talked about how Al-Anon had helped them. And so I became curious about it. And finally, I got to a breaking point with one of my relatives, and I decided to try it. And um, I started going in January of 2019. And I remember being so angry and I'm not an angry person. I'm a, I'm an, on the Enneagram, I'm a one wing nine, but basically I call myself half Martha, half Mary. Mm -hmm. So the Martha side gets things done and the Mary side is very contemplative and peaceful. So I feel uncomfortable getting angry. Um, However, the very first meeting I go to they have the 12 steps on the wall and you can Google the 12 steps. You can find them very easily. And we were reading out loud the exact same 12 steps that the AA group 
that in the next room was saying out loud. And I was furious. I thought, here I've been the good one. I haven't drank. I haven't partied. I haven't um, caused damage because of my addiction. Why am I saying the 12 steps? And that was really um, eye-opening for me because I had to realize, and I realized this as I went through sessions with this group, that I was addicted to my addict, Mm -hmm. to the addicts in my life. Mm -hmm. And I had to break my addiction to them. That was very humbling. And um, God used it to not to humiliate me, but to strengthen me in an area where, where I was blind and I didn't understand how much energy of mine, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual energy, I was expending upon this other person because I was codependent on them and realizing that if I allowed them to own their emotions, their actions, their behaviors that set me free to live the life that God had given me. And we all only have one life to steward. We, none of us know how long that we have that life, but it is hours and hours alone to steward. And I was giving away, we're talking about boundaries again. It was as if I had a picket fence around my home inside of my heart. I was just letting people run over it with bulldozers. And instead of, in my case, I needed to build like an iron gate around my house because I have some really toxic people um, to deal with. I needed a stronger boundary and I needed to make sure that it had a padlock on it because I didn't want these thugs coming and ruining my property anymore. So that took a lot of work. It took several books. It took people at my Al-Anon meeting, encouraging me, praying for me, um, listening to me, validating me. So that was a huge part of my healing journey. And that was well after I was, um, I had completed my five years of therapy uh, with my counselor. So there was this whole other area that needed to heal um, so that I could realize I could have a life independent of the influence of my addict's behaviors. That was incredibly empowering. It was scary, Mm -hmm. but it was also empowering because I realized I could be set free from the bondage that I had willingly put myself under by letting this other person run my life. And it was good to get free from that, even though again, cost me a a great deal, but I have faith that God has a whole other life ready for me that is not affected by addiction anymore. Not my own addiction to a substance, but my addiction to addicted people in my life. And that has been utterly transformational and greatly empowering. That is so powerful. 
And I'm so glad that you shared that because it is important to name things. It's like so freeing when someone can put a name to something like, oh, I didn't realize that this is a thing. What's been happening to me is a thing in that it also happening to other people and how you were talking about codependency and how you really can lose your yourself in that, right? Your like identity becomes just mixed in this other person's life and this relationship and kind of blurs the identity in Christ that we have when we're in him, right? Yeah, definitely. And I'm currently working on detaching uh, because it's a process. It's not something that's once and done. I've been affected by alcoholism since the day I was born. So this is not something I can unplug from in a week or even 30 days. This is going to be a long process. And just like an addict, I'm going to have relapses, but I have to get back on the wagon and do the right thing and just keep working the steps for myself. And eventually in time, I will get there. Um, But again, I'm doing this in community. I'm not doing this by myself. Uh, That is the beauty of groups like Al-Anon. The Christian version is Celebrate Recovery, Mm -hmm. which a lot of you probably could benefit from that. But the power of being in community is realizing that you're not alone in all of your wild emotions that you start facing once you open up. Once you uncover the denial that you're in, uh, there's just a whole host of emotions that you have to deal with. And knowing that there's other people that can say, yeah, yeah, I get that. It helps reduce that um, sense of fear and sense of self-condemnation as well. And we know that in the very, very first sin of the devil speaking to Eve in the garden, he isolated her. So isolation is where Satan does his masterwork. So if we get in community, we're actually fighting back against the devil because it's in isolation where he keeps us in bondage. He makes us question ourselves and he, he gives us uh, doubt that things are ever going to change. But connecting with community helps break that silence that surrounds isolation so that we can actually feel stronger hooking our arms with someone else who is going through the same thing and who's going to be encouraging us to get stronger because they need to get stronger themselves and they want to see success uh, because it empowers them as well. So it's really important if you're going to step onto that path of healing that you make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right resources and the right materials to help you find uh, the success that you're looking for. Cause doing it on your own is just plain, not going to work. Mm. It's just not. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. And, I, and thank you for sharing all of that and about community and how, you know, you were saying that you're still going through this and there's going to be times where there's a trigger or something happens in your life that could cause a step backward, but that doesn't mean it's not going to ever be different. And there's not going to be, there's not hope that things can continue to change. So I think that is so encouraging for someone to hear right now, because oftentimes the enemy wants to throw that in our face and say, 
whatever it is that we've dealt with, you know, or going through that, like you said, this is never going to change. And look at you, you, who do you think you are? You're you're never going to get through this or, you know, Mm -hmm. and just trying to keep us down so that we cannot be effective for the kingdom, you know, and kingdom work that God has already prepared in advance for us to do as believers. So I think that's so impactful and powerful that you shared that. And thank you because being vulnerable about that is so important, but also refreshing because we need to hear that truth because putting on airs isn't going to help anybody else. You know, like if we're going through a struggle, we need to really be real about it um, with the right people. Of course, you don't want to throw your pearls before swine, but you know, it is so important how you're doing this through your show. And um, where did that name come from? I, I think I heard you tell the story once, but I forget what you said. Hearts in a drawer. It was after a counseling session and I was going in there and talking about a problem person. And my counselor said, you know, I can't guarantee what's going to happen when you set this boundary, but I can guarantee nothing will change unless you set it. Mm. And I knew before I walked out of that office, what I was going to have to do. And it was at a great cost to me. I was going to have to let something go. So I went home and a lot of us do this when we're upset with someone, we'll take their picture off the wall and we'll hide it or, or break it or tear it up, something like that. Right. But I just decided to put mine in a drawer for a while. I was pressing pause on this relationship. And I put it in there and this deep moan came out of me, um, like a a primal cry. And it was, it was grief. And even though I had shut the drawer, I knew that part of my heart was still in there. And so that's where the name heart in a drawer came from, because I feel like as adult children of divorce, we can say that we're over it and that it doesn't have an impact on us, but there's a part of our heart crying out from that drawer where we shut up our childhood memories or our hopes and wishes for our parents' marriage. We shut that up in a drawer, but our heart is still in there. And so we've got to take it out and hold it gently and let God heal it so that we can live the full life that he wants us to live without hiding our heart away. He wants us to be wholehearted people. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. But when we take God's hand and go on that adventure, then we actually get to live the life that he wants, that he's prepared for us, the joyous and abundant life that he wants for each one of us. Um, Walking alongside him as he leads us forward in a different adventure. So that's why I want to inspire people um, because I know that God will do that for each and every one if, if they're willing to open their heart up to God. So beautiful. Yeah, that's so important. And um, this is ministering to so many people's hearts. And I also wanted to mention too, because your other podcast, which is Finding Peace in God's Word, is amazing and it's short so people can just listen to it maybe while they're getting ready for work or cleaning the house or driving the car and it's just a short but encouraging power-packed punch of God's truth in just that many minutes and five minutes doesn't seem like a long time but you can really fit a lot of good truth into that length of time because you're focused on the main thing. And I think a lot of it is you're reading things that you've written, right, Sarah? Is that 
kind of what that one is? Right. Uh, so I just decided I have over 800 blog posts because mm. I've been writing for so long. I know that people are consuming content in different ways. So I thought, why not just read it out loud? And people are really enjoying it. And I'm so glad because it's just another way of repurposing content that exists that they might never actually read it on my site, but they like to listen. And people say over and over again, you have such a soothing voice. It's just my voice. It's just me. I don't think of it like that. But I think people also like that, that they feel a sense of tangible peace when they're listening to my podcast. And that's, it's just a joy to offer that to people. So um, both podcasts serve different purposes, Mm -hmm. but um, it's really, it's really awesome to see what God is doing through both of them. And uh, he's just good. He's good in ministering to his people through other people. Yes, absolutely. And I wholeheartedly agree about the way it's very soothing and peaceful and it kind of brings a calmness, which I think the world really needs that right now. I mean, you know, listening to that calming voice, it kind of reminds me too, because I love Emily Freeman's um, Mm -hmm. The Next Right Thing. Hers is so good. (laughs) Yes, her voice is so calming and peaceful. And Mm -hmm. that's the, that is the same thing that I get from yours. So I think that's just so special and precious and um, really ministers, you know, in the words that God gives you to share. And and you have a new book that's releasing in October called Hidden Manna on a Country Road. Yeah. Um, During the pandemic, like most of us, I got out in nature more. And uh, I also have a Labrador retriever, so he needs to be walked Mm -hmm. frequently. And so even though I've been living out here in the woods, I'm a fifth generation resident of Missouri. So I'm living in the same square mile of since my great, great grandparents uh, came over from Germany in the late 1800s. So it's a very special place to me. And until we got that puppy, though, I wasn't walking out here. It's gravel roads. I would drive into town and walk at the park. But by Memphis, that's his name. We went on walks together. And then I was praying because there's no network out here. So I couldn't take my phone with me. There was no point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was just me and my dog. And I was starting to notice all these things. I'm a nature lover. I'm a gardener. But all these things on my walk up close that I had never seen from my car. And I saw so many metaphors as um, reasons to pray, Uh, whether it was a wildflower or an animal or a tree or the way the sky was that day. I was just picking up all these uh, prayer prompts. And that was a great comfort to me, especially in the summer of 2020, when it felt like our nation was blowing up Mm -hmm. with all of these problems. Mm -hmm. So I would go out and walk on this uh, little country road out here and just pour my heart out to God. And he comforted me so often through nature. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had the um, pieces to make a book because I think that people are generally speaking intimidated by prayer. They feel guilty about it. They feel like they don't know how to do it. They're confused by it. It's a sense of frustration rather than a joy for most people. Mm -hmm. And I hope that this book 
is inspirational in terms of realizing there's things all around us that prove that God is providing for us like he provided for the Israelites in the Old Testament when he sent down manna from heaven for them to eat. He's hidden manna all around us as reasons to pray and to connect with him, but also to intercede for other people and also to just enjoy nature, um, to, to realize that God has hidden all these um, special things in nature. If we'll just slow down and notice them and appreciate them. One of the main truths that I gained from the pandemic is that nature, a lot of it is the same as when it was created in the Garden of Eden. Mm. And I was so happy to have something that was very constant, but also very beautiful that I could immerse myself in as almost a medicine for all of the strife that I was experiencing just being an American that year. And it was a great, great comfort to me. And I know it was to so many people. So I hope that this book helps them see that they have tons of reasons to pray all around them, all these little secrets that God has tucked in if they'll just open their eyes to see them. I think it's actually my best book that I've ever written. And so I cannot wait for it to be birthed into the world this fall. That's exciting. And what a great time for that to release when, you know, fall, people are just so aware of the changing of things and all. But but like you said, there's so many constant things. And just to be more aware, we are so hurried all the time. And it's just not good <laughs> right. for us to do that, to always be in a hurry. And we just miss all of the simple beautiful pleasures that God has provided. So I'm excited about this book coming out. And I would love if you would share, how can the listener connect with you and find out more about the resources that you've talked about? Where would they go for all of these things? The best place to go is just the front page of sarahgeringer.com. Then you can follow me wherever is best for you. Whether you like podcasts, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all those places are linked there. And if you are really interested in this book that I just talked about, you want to know about joining the launch team for it or more about any of the books that I have, the best way is to sign up for my Tea on Tuesdays newsletter because that's my, uh, that's my favorite tribe. So you get to see things first that I don't really share anywhere else. And uh, you can sign up for that in any of the pink boxes at sarahgeringer.com. Nice. I love that. Tea on Tuesdays. It just sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been such a powerful episode. And I know that it spoke to a lot of hearts out there. And I know that there's a lot of people struggling with similar things. And so I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your heart and sharing what God has taught you through these things and what he is continuing to teach you. And we're going to look forward to that book. And also, if they want to check out, because you've had other books too, and and one of your other books that was very powerful is uh, Transforming Your Thought Life, because right. that is really important too. They can find that on your website too, right, That's Sarah? That's correct. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, friend. And I hope to have you on again sometime because I felt like, you know, we can talk for five hours about <laughs> you know, 
like all yes. all things Sarah. Yes, we sure can. <laughs> I would love that, Doris. Yeah. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Right, thank you. God bless you. you too. Thank you for listening today. And wasn't that so impactful? And I love how Sarah said, how many times has my yes meant something besides just yes? How many times have I not even said no when I should have said no? And I can relate to that friend and I know you can too. And how about when she said God wants to heal us in community? And that isolation is where Satan does his masterwork. So if we get in community, we're actually fighting back against the devil because it's in isolation that he keeps us in bondage. So true. And friends, I have in the show notes all the ways that you can connect with Sarah and check out her books and keep in touch with her by signing up for her tea on Tuesdays so that you can hear about when her new book comes out because it's amazing. And I appreciated her vulnerability and the rawness of what she shared. So important for us to share our stories and how God has been faithful through it all. And friend, I would love to connect with you too. So reach out to me at doraswift.com. Don't forget to download the Edify app for free and listen to Fierce Calling and other amazing Christian podcasts. And I would love the opportunity to speak at your next women's event. So don't forget to check out my speaking page at doraswift.com. And I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.